In today's episode, we're going to talk about how to not suck at marketing. And don't take our word for it. The guy who actually wrote the book is going to tell you. All that and more today on the Marketing Mad Men podcast. They say marketing is a madman's game. So now we turn it over to the Marketing Mad Men with Nick Constantino and Trip Job. Happy Saturday. Welcome to the Marketing Mad Men. Trip Job and Nick Constantino here uh, at the Battery and... Um, you know we're uh, we're excited. We had we're just uh, pushing the envelope. Pushing the envelope. We, we had about envelope. a month or so ago. We had good friend Joanne Harold from Harold Growth Consulting with us, and it's kind of spawned another um, series. And so we're going to do um, kind of a, a marketing forum. I have Joanne hopefully about once a month, and um, Joanne is so well connected and has so many thoughts from her career. And um, so uh, Joanne, welcome back. Oh, it's great to be here, Trip and Nick. Yeah, no, I think we're, um, like I said, this is going to be fun, and yeah. uh, I know you've got a fantastic guest today and a, a lineup that uh, I think uh, I think, to- I think topical, enjoy. right? We yeah. want to cover topics that are relevant at that moment and, and, and really help people and get insights from across the board and different insights. It's not just Tripp and I up here, you know, waxing poetic. It's across the board, different people talking about different things because it's always a different set of perspectives that help. So um, with that said, Joanne, why don't you take a lead now and uh, introduce our first guest and the, the Marketing Man Men Forum. Well, what I'm going to do, I'm going to ask Mr. Jeff Perkins to introduce himself and tell us how we first met, and then that'll you'll learn a, a little bit more about Jeff. Thanks, guys. It's great to be here with you. Uh, I like anything Mad Men, so this is uh, fun. I Actually, introducing myself, I come out of the advertising business, so not quite in the Mad Men era, but, yeah. uh, but a little after that in sort of the, the 90s, so my, my first job out of college was at an agency called Saatchi and Saatchi, yep. so one of the big global, very famous agency, and I worked on uh, Tide laundry detergent and Cascade dishwashing detergent, so those are my two brands. Yeah. Uh, so I worked on those brands while living in a 300-square-foot apartment in New York City without a washer-dryer. So that's the dream, man. That's the New York City dream, yeah. man. So, so I was very— And that in, same apartment's going for $4,500 right, a month at least, now. At least. <laughs> Uh, but uh, so came out of the advertising business and then pivoted uh, from the agency side to the client side, moved down to Atlanta in uh, 2007 and worked at Auto Trader. So I was there for five years at a really fun time. Auto Trader is one of those great Atlanta uh, growth stories where, uh, you know, I joined. They were already successful. They were about a $400 million company when I joined. And during my five years there, it grew to a billion. Yeah. And so a, so a really amazing. So do you know ride. Don Dixon? Because uh, he, uh, previously, because he has that same story. He was Saatchi and Saatchi, yes. and they went over to Auto yeah. Trader. That is hysterical. Unfortunately, I do know Don Dixon. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, saw, I can tell by that face. <laughs> Don is, Don is uh, amazing. I love Don. Uh, he was kind of one of my mentors over there at uh, Auto Trader, and we had a great run. Uh, but then, you know, after Auto Trader, I, I bounced around in executive jobs. I worked at a company here called PGI which was uh, one of the, maybe the, the OGs in Atlanta tech. Uh, it's no longer, unfortunately. I think they kind of shut their doors or, uh, you know, kind of transitioned to a new brand earlier this year. But uh, had a great run there. Uh, then went and worked at a startup here called QA Symphony. Uh, and then I landed at this company called Park Mobile, which a lot of people know. Park Mobile is the app where you pay for parking on your phone, uh, started there in uh, 2015, I think, and we were we had about eight million users of the app. And over time, I you know I was there. I left you know last year, end of last year. Uh, we had about 45 million users of the app available in almost every major city. And so it's uh, it was a great run there at Park Mobile, where I was the CMO. 
then I was the CMO plus head of product, and then I eventually became the CEO of that business uh, and left shortly after an acquisition. So it was a really fun ride there. My company now is called Greenlight Guru. It is a software company, more of a you know early mid stage, but we service the medical device industry. So very exciting, very yeah. fast growth company uh, that um, I jumped in. Uh, about uh, six months ago. Yeah, so uh, Joanne Tees, there might be an interesting story of how you two met. So, yeah, yes. uh, I think you left that out. Yes. So Joanne, <laughs> uh, I met Joanne at, at a award ceremony. It's called the Max Awards. It's the Georgia Marketing Roundtable's annual awards. And uh, you know, one of my strategies as a marketer, because I'm very cheap, and I was like, what, mm. what? How do I get free advertising? And so one of the ways to get free advertising is to apply for a lot of awards. So that's that's a core strategy. So whatever Business Chronicle awards are out Sounds there. Sounds like you come from the PR world. Whatever yeah. AMA awards, Best Place to Work awards, I would apply for them all. And I never win, but I just apply because sometimes you get on the list and it's good exposure for your brand, helps you kind of get awareness, helps you recruit. Um, and so the Max Award application comes in, and of course I apply, and I show up at the Max Award, and I'm sitting there in the crowd, and I was like, all right, here's another one that we're not going to win, but uh, we'll get a – you know, we get a plaque or something. Um, and, you know, it's like a who's who in Atlanta marketing. It's the Hawks and it's MailChimp. And I'm just like, well, we're definitely not going to win this award. And they start to list off all of the winners and um, they didn't call our name. And then they got to kind of the top three. I was like, oh, man, they totally forgot to call us. <laughs> this is a bummer because I knew we weren't in the top three. And my friend that I was there with, he's like, no, man, it's because we're in the top three. We have a chance. And it was, I think it was us and the Hawks and, and MailChimp were the mm. top three final ones left. I was like, well, we're definitely, at least we'll come in third. That's pretty cool. And um, and like like when I say we never win, we never win. I always tell people, like, like the Susan Lucci yeah. of uh, <laughs> the Atlanta Marketing Awards circuit, uh, always a nominee, never a winner. And, you know, they uh, number three, the Hawks, number two. Mailchimp. I was like, did we just win? <laughs> like, yeah. is that even possible? I mean, I had nothing prepared. I didn't write a speech. And I go up and I think Joanne handed me the award and it's just like massive trophy. Yeah. And uh, and I just kind of I was like, I, I don't know what to say. But um, it was it was a really special moment yeah. for us um, at Park Mobile. We you know, we didn't have big marketing budgets, but we worked really hard to make kind of our, our small marketing spend go a long way and do a lot of really innovative stuff in the industry. So uh, I was really proud we won that award. That I think was the first time we met, and mm -hmm. um, we've been friends ever since. Exactly. I thought it was so fun. You were so humble, and I remember they being on the judging committee for the Max Awards, and Park Mobile really solved a need that Atlanta had. I mean, you'd go and park, and they Not towed your, your car. Would, right. Yeah, but, your yeah. your car would be towed, or and um, so it truly was very innovative. What you all did and your speech, you were so humble and authentic and smart. We all kind of said, we've got to get to know him. Yeah. <laughs> so there you did go. you, uh, I got to ask though, he didn't have, you know, cue cards or whatever. Did you have to like tug at him to get him off the stage and out of, out of the mic? She no. probably did. I was enjoy they yeah, they didn't do the playoff music, but they probably should have. I went yeah. on because I, well, I didn't have a speech prepared, so I just probably rambled, rambled for yeah. at least ten minutes. I, I think parking is one of those fascinating things. I've always been told is the the supply demand it's the most wacky supply and demand curve, especially in a city like New York. You see people rock riding around the block twenty times, times. to find spots and it's like just 
charge more for the spots to allow people to park so you can actually have a system there. Yeah. So I've always been told it is literally one of the wackiest. The price should be so much higher than it is, but then you're stifling the economy of the place. So it's really, um, we do a lot of work with some of the parking companies in Atlanta because we do a lot of tailgates and events in the lots downtown and just getting to know those guys. I mean, it is crazy. And then who owns the lots is always wacky. Like here, you know, there are these families that they just look at it as it's a, you know, it's an annuity. Right. It's just you own the lot. Why would you ever sell it? It just keeps getting money and money and the price of it keeps going up because there's more demand on downtown as they build out the gulch and everything. So um, it's fascinating. I am curious. Uh, so you said you're cheap. You said you like free PR and you said you stretch your marketing dollars. Is that going to be a theme as we talk later through some of this stuff and your, and your marketing advice for people? It, it will be a theme. And it's ironic, though, because I came out of big ad agency and, you know, the classic story is, you know, we would go to a client and we'd say, the answer is a 30 second television ad. Now tell us what your problem is. Yeah. Right. We had, we, we were one trick pony. We spent hundred million dollars a year probably on advertising Tide laundry detergent at the time. I mean, just huge marketing budgets. And now I'm, I'm Mr. Cheap and Scrappy, which is kind of ironic. Uh, but when I went to a startup company and I went to the startup here in Atlanta called QA Symphony, they had, we had about a million dollars in revenue when I joined and we grew it to 20 million. So it was a great growth story. And that was over a three year period. But I really learned when I joined that company, at like if you're at a startup, you don't have a marketing budget and you need to make as much noise as possible. So how do you do that with no money? And, and so I figured out all these kind of clever ways where you can growth hack your way to, to building a, a big brand because people would look at our brand at QA Symphony and they'd say, man, you guys are big, right? Like you guys, like you guys are, what are you getting, like a hundred million dollar company? I was like, no, yeah. we're like a million dollar company and we're almost can't make payroll every month. It's it's that kind of thing. Nick, but, did uh, you uh, sign up an appearance fee today? Yeah. We, uh... <laughs> right. I'll probably get a pill later. Yeah, right. uh, it'll probably come after the fact. You know, I think, I think it's funny because I think that that tech era started that wave of that huge bombastic speak to make yourself sound bigger. Um, you know, we're, well, this is an old radio station, man. We don't know, yeah. we don't know that game. We're beholden to Nielsen ratings, but we're finally starting to get to the point where it's like, guys, this is not about the Nielsen ratings or what this says. It's it's the touch points. How many touch points do we have? You know, the Braves radio, it's 5.3 million people that listen. Like, why are we not saying those numbers? Why are we worried about these little of what, what we're told we have to say? So um, I think that it's probably a lot harder in the tech space to do that now because it's so competitive. And there's so many people screaming the loudest and with the biggest, throwing the biggest numbers and the biggest videos out there, but I'm sure that experience shaped a lot of how you think about marketing and, and how you plan to grow companies because, you know, that's that's crazy growth. That's not easy to duplicate growth, but that's crazy growth. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's challenging. Yeah. And I mean, it's it takes a lot of, you know, to, to grow that much without a big budget. I mean, part of it is you got to have the right product market fit. Sure. Right? I mean, that's a huge thing. Um, but once you have the product market fit, if you don't have the right marketing and the right sales strategy, uh, it sometimes it's all for naught. You know, like some companies can grow through just having a great product. Most can't. Yeah. And so that's where marketing really supercharges that growth. Yeah. And I think that that great product is something that has changed quickly, too, because what is a great product these days? It's hard because marketing has become yeah. so prevalent that, like, you can market anything as a great product. And is it really a great product? So, um, Joe, let's go over to you just to make sure we cover all our bases. So uh, any updates in the past couple of months? What are you working on? So I do a lot of work for Georgia State. Wonderful. So I'm getting ready for my Go Panthers. Go Panthers fall MBA class and having a lot of fun there. And I've got just very varied clients and everything in the nonprofit to manufacturing to CPG and just 
having tons of fun. Yeah, I have to yeah. imagine the the consulting side versus the corporate side that you get to pick your time and your projects, and it's probably a, a lot more fun when you look at it. So, mm-hmm. um, anything stand out? So, talk about Georgia yeah. State a little. What what, what well, do you, you know, what do you got an agenda? One of the things I think we ought to, we're going to introduce a new uh, new area when we come back from the break, and um, you know I think that will be uh, be kind of fun because we'll uh, we'll dive into. You know what uh, Joanne's doing in some special topics, and uh, to tease a little bit what we call the uh, the forum the segment. Forum. So, uh, with that, we'll uh, we'll be right back. You've been listening to the Marketing Mad Men on Extra One Hundred Six Point Three. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So, start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only ten dollars each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save, and save and win. When you buy a used car, don't be taken for a ride. Get Ford Blue Advantage certified at Wade Ford, Atlanta's headquarters for factory certified pre-owned vehicles. Go to wadeford.com. There you'll find a great selection of Ford Blue Advantage certified used cars, trucks, and SUVs. With Blue certified, nearly all makes and all models are in stock now. You'll find something perfect for just about any budget. Buy with confidence at the Wade Ford factory certified used car outlet at wadeford.com. Wade Ford, we are Atlanta's Ford dealer. Now back to the Marketing Mad Men on Extra 106.3 FM. Welcome back to the Marketing Mad Men on Extra 106.3. So before the break, we introduced Jeff and we talked with Joanne about some updates and what's going on in her world. So now we're going to start the forum. So this is the first time we're doing we're doing this, so be patient with us. And may God have mercy on our souls for starting this right here. So uh, let's start with this. So Jeff, you came out with a book, okay? We're going to say the title of that in a second because it's going to also be the first topic of conversation. Um, but... One of the things I've realized over the past couple of weeks, months, years, doing this meeting with people, a lot of people suck at marketing, man. I know there's not many other ways to say it. They have the wrong intention. They got the wrong ideas. And they're just, you know, getting that degree in college makes you a marketer. And um, it doesn't quite work that way out there. So uh, without further ado, our first topic of the forum is how to not suck at marketing. And Jeff, you are up, my man. Well, I want to start with why I called the book How Not to Suck at Marketing because... When I told my mom what the title was, she was appalled. She's like, you can't have a book called How Not to Suck at Marketing. You can't use the word suck in a book. You're a dad. You know, what's wrong with you? Uh, but I went to one of these marketing conferences here in Atlanta. It's called the Digital Summit. Yep. And you know, the Digital Summit, you have like three tracks. And so I, I wanted to have the most people in my track. And you're up against like the guy doing social media and the guy doing SEO. And I said, well, what could be a title that will get a lot of people to my track? And I said, oh, what's interesting right now? And I just came up with this idea of how not to suck at marketing as a title for uh, a presentation. And the presentation was really about all these lessons I'd learned about what to do if your marketing program isn't working and how to, how to get it working. And so the title is How Not to Suck at Marketing. I get to the room 15 minutes before the presentation, and it's packed. It's like standing room only, people on the sitting on the floor. And I thought it was for the session before me. And they're like, no, man, this is for your session. So it was like everyone came to the session on how not to suck at marketing. I think I, I said, I think I'm on to something here with this yeah. title. Like there's something that resonates with people around um, the challenges related to the function. And it's, it's really no secret 
Uh, marketers generally have the shortest tenure in the C-suite. It's about 18 to 24 months. Um, marketers kind of come in and out of jobs really at all levels within a company. And if the marketing program isn't working, you can be sure that uh, the CEO or the CFO are going to make some changes and, and find another marketer who can make it work. And so it's a tough, uh, it's a tough career path in a lot of ways. It's, it's fraught with peril, uh, but it's also very fun and can be a great way to spend your career years. But in the book, I, I tried to really attack this issue I was seeing where a lot of my friends, peers, colleagues in marketing were getting fired or were getting pushed out. And I was like, what's going on here? And I even saw it in a company I was in. I was like, wow, we had some pretty talented people who just, you know, they just left because they weren't getting it done and they saw the writing on the walls. So I thought, how do you not suck at marketing? How do you put yourself in a position within your company so you have really good credibility, you're helping grow the business, and you're moving forward and you don't get caught in this death spiral of, you know, you're spending money, it's not working, you get a bad reputation, no, everyone loses faith in you, and then you get pushed yeah. out. And so I, I go back to this experience I had at this company, PGI, and I walked in there, and they had basically, um, uh, as the CEO said, he blew up the marketing department. So they had 50 people in marketing at the time, and they fired everybody in one day. And I was on kind of the, the cleanup crew to come in and to try to fix or rebuild uh, this marketing department. And I got there and everything was just broken. Um, the brand was a mess. The website was a disaster. You know, we had no SEO and we were in a very competitive space in web conferencing, video conferencing. And so really didn't have a lot of raw materials <laughs> to work with when I came in. And I remember getting in there and I was like, okay, this is gonna be a home run because everything's broken and I could fix it. I knew how to fix it, but a lot of the stuff we were trying to do is very hard. Like rebranding is hard. Rebuilding a website is hard. Redoing all your marketing automation is really hard. Time consuming. Yeah, yeah. man. And then like six months in, I kind of looked at what I'd accomplished. I mean, like, man, I am not doing anything. And I started getting worried. Is like, am I losing credibility? Are people looking at me and like, oh, we hired the wrong guy? And it really made me think, all right, what do I have to do to start putting runs on the board. And it's kind of one of the first principles I talk about in the book, which is having a quick win strategy, right? A lot of marketers will come into an organization and they'll take on these really, really big, yeah. hard projects first. I'm going to do all do, yep. do all the messaging. We're going to redo all the messaging. And then we're going to, we need to you know, take out HubSpot and put in Marketo. And we need to do all this advertising, really programmatic buying. Empire building. Like, yeah. like stuff that's really hard to do. And I remember I was looking around. I was like, "What? What's a quick win here?" And I realized like our like the sales collateral just was horrible. Like all these just the, huh. the slicks that we the sales guys were using at trade shows. I was like, "Well, maybe I could redo that." <laughs> That's a good like uh. easy first thing. And we did it. Like I worked with our designer, and, and we did it in like a week, and we had all new collateral done. And and people were like, "Oh my gosh, this collateral is amazing!" I, like the sales guys are all excited. Like even the CEO came into my office. He's like, "This stuff looks." great, Jeff. Well done. I mean, it's easy stuff to do. It's a quick win. But what I realized is that you start to build some credibility. Um, so the quick wins aren't always the most important thing for the business, but it builds the credibility. So then as you take on the bigger projects down the road, uh, people have faith that you could actually do it. You get a lot more rope. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the worst place to be is a marketer. I remember a colleague of mine 
someone came up to came up to me because she was taking on this very very big account based marketing program and, and trying to uh, redo the sales marketing alignment. It was really hard. And um, the CEO actually came up to me one day and he's like, "What's she doing all day?" I mean, that's a really bad place when the CEO oh. is asking someone like what a, a marketing leader is doing all day. You know you're in trouble then. So the quick win strategy is something. So whenever you come into an organization, or even if you've been in the organization for a while, it's always important to have your radar out, kind of track those areas yeah. where you can get a quick win, because it really does make a difference. Not everybody understands the intricacies of uh, a marketing automation uh, implementation, right? Yeah. Most people don't understand right. it. But everyone could see a piece of collateral. Yeah. Everyone could see yeah. a good blog post. Yeah. Everyone could see, oh, we did this podcast thing that's really cool. Yeah, I have to imagine, though, you have to be there some, for some time to notice those things also. People expect that immediately. you got to get the, you get a feel for it before you can do that. Yeah, a, a little bit. But generally, I think when you go into an organization, you, shouldn't, you should start to inventory for sure. the stuff out there. I, I find it's really useful to create kind of a report card. Yeah. Like, hey, our brand is a C. Uh, and I always I say, like, you rate the different parts of the marketing program and the different tactics, and then you rate the importance of those, right? right? So maybe the brand is a C, but maybe brand's not super important right. in your category, right? Or it's good yeah. enough. Um, but the website is a D, and your website is critical because that's how people learn about you. So where do you focus your time on the website, right? Yeah. Um, so you have to kind of do some of those trade-offs, uh, but, but really figuring out what are the most important things to focus on. And that's another point in how not to suck is, is focus. Yeah. Like as marketers, we have a, a pretty wide canvas we can play in, right? Yeah. You can do uh, the product marketing. You can do the brand marketing. You can do lead gen. You can do MarTech. Um, there's a million different things you can do every day. But figuring out what are the most important things that are going to make the biggest impact on the business are critical. And and I like to do this fill in the blanks exercise with my team where we just say, all right, we are not growing the business faster because of blank, or we are losing deals because of blank. And when you do these very simple exercises, it kind of puts clarity around what you need to fix. Sure. Right. Priority and focus. Yep. What you need to fix. So focus is another one. Really, really important for marketers. Marketers are all sort of ADD. Uh, <laughs> what are you, we, what are you talking about? No <laughs> way. We love shiny objects. Yeah. You know, we've never met a MarTech tool that we didn't want to buy. Or yeah, there's only 9,000 of them now, right? I, I, I so, love yeah. it. I love yeah. it. All right. So let's let's shoot over to Joanne over here. So um, we have a book written. So we have that standard set. So let's do the how to not suck at marketing. What is your advice to people to not suck at it? I think it is. It's, it's going in, even before you go into a company, and understand their pain points. So through the interview process, it's where where might I have a quick win? And then the first 90 days are so critical, too, is, as far as understanding uh, where you can come in as a marketer and, and help and grow. Um, I think growth though, is what every CEO, every board is looking for as far as what they expect from a marketer. So what are ways that you'll drive the business, grow the brand? Uh, our key relationships are so important. The CEOs are really looking to the marketers to not only know what's going on with the consumer, but drive that change and to rally the troops as far as their organization. So uh, the marketer has a lot on their shoulders and a lot of expectations, but um, those would be some some ways that I'd say. And Jeff is somebody I try to 
follow and emulate. He's been very successful at all the places he's been. Well, I think it's yeah. it's not a simple task, but sometimes simplifying things does help. What do you think, Tripp? Um, I'll go at it uh, first from anyone who's new, whether you're new into marketing, whether you're new into a job, which we talked about, and that would be get out and observe, all right? That's get out to your sales team, get out to your customer base, and by observe the old adage of, you know, the only thing that coming out of your mouth should end in a question, right? Uh, watch, listen, smell, you know, if you're in food or whatever. Um, but I think it's really important. You were talking about when I got into to Belgard, we had one brand. We had 12 regions. We had 17 catalogs. We uh, Each region had the ability to, to have a different product scope. Now, that also meant, though, they should not change the brand. But there were different opinions. But it was getting out to all those 12 regions and listening and asking and understanding to be able to get some wins and then bring it back. Uh, the second thing, and I'll I'll target this to marketing leaders, and I think, Jeff, you are going there. It's once you've done that, once you've got those quick wins, I'm a huge believer in strategy first and not tactics. Sometimes people want to bring their focus or their ideas right away without going back to what you were saying is we grow by X. What is the brand? What is your strategy? Make sure everyone, CEO, sales leader, all agree with what that strategy is. And if you've gotten your credibility and you set up the strategy and you get that alignment, and Joanne probably knows this, all of a sudden you've given yourself probably a good 18 months of rope, which is the average ten tenure for a CMO. So yeah. those are my thoughts. Yeah, love it. I think, you know, in my head, it, one of the biggest problems is people to this day still look at marketing as an expense versus an investment. And it's most companies, most people you deal with, that's why the tenure is so short. And if you were going to look at marketing as an investment, what did investments take? They take time and they take diversity in the approach. And those principles should not be changed. And we're trying to change those principles. Um, so, uh, all right, right, look, that's a pretty good first start, man. Yeah. What do we got next so on the inve list? Investments. Right now, everyone's talking about investments in AI and uh, chat GPT. Um, that is totally not my area. So I'll play moderator here. And uh, Jeff, let's get, what, how are you using it? What do you see the future here? Yeah. Uh, chat GPT and, and AI is, is really interesting for marketers um, because it takes things that uh, really require a lot of time and resource and, and makes it a lot easier. So one of the things you can do now, like we're doing a, a radio show and a podcast, you get the transcription of this and you feed it into chat GPT and you ask it, can you do a summary of this, Right. Uh, can you give me five key takeaways from this podcast discussion? All right. Then you put it on your website and then you put it in a social post. Now, we've been doing that kind of thing for a long time, but you had a writer. You had mm -hmm. someone who would have to listen back to the entire episode, yep. really be thoughtful. And now you basically have a tool that can do it. And it's pretty good. Yeah. And, and so that's kind of amazing. You think about uh, social media and social posts. Uh, you can go into ChatGPT right now and say, write me 10 social posts for my company in this tone and, uh, and, and about these five topics, and you'll get a really good list. And, and you used to spend you know, maybe hours uh, writing and compiling and editing these social posts, and now you get them in like a second. Uh, so it's really amazing, I, I think, what you can do with these tools, and they're only going to get better as you put more inputs into them. So I'm really excited. I think it's kind of for... 
for marketers that really lean in on things like content, it's going to really supercharge your content. And and so that's that's really really exciting to me. I think we're we're dabbling right now. We're trying a lot of things, but it's um it it's it's probably the most disruptive tech that's uh, at least in marketing that I've seen really since since Google and SEO came out. For sure. Do you see it real quick? Is um, it sounds like augmenting but not replacing I, the I different think, roles. I think it. It could augment. Uh, it could also replace. Yeah. And so here's an example. If you're a small company, you probably don't have budget to hire people who are content mm-hmm. writers to, to write your blog posts. But ChatGPT could write it for you. And maybe you have someone who just can edit it and clean it up. And uh, it's, but So you really have uh, an amazing tool at your disposal as a small company. I mean, that's a real challenge that small companies yeah. have had is like, how do I – how do I get all this content for the website? And how do I create posts that people read? How do I establish myself as a thought leader? Uh, and now you have a tool that can really help you uh, do a lot of that work. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, no, that's a great point. Uh, Joanne, your thoughts around uh, ChatGBT? So, so it's obviously a, a very big topic in the marketing world and at universities. Um, in some ways, universities are very concerned about it, um, especially for cheating. Uh, (laughs) But as any technology, think about personal computers in the 80s, it's it's here to stay. And so how do we leverage it? How do we use it? I agree with Jeff. It will take out some of the drudgery of the tasks that marketers or companies have. So think about research or writing or even video content. Chat GPT can do a lot of that. I don't think it will replace all humans because it's human-led and uh, linguistics is a, a big part of it. But um, I think companies, smart companies, will. it's here to stay. So how do you adopt it and leverage it? I like what Jeff said about, you know, in many cases uh, using it as an editor. So mm-hmm. you, you, or you, you become the editor. You use it to write it and then you still have a human essentially editing yeah. that last piece just yeah. to make sure there's everything touches base so it's not you know 100 percent out the door and then people go what was that yeah right? well, tell us about your test with linkedin and how you used it for your yeah post. i mean it was it was really interesting i was playing around with prompts one day i said write 10 social posts from jeff perkins on linkedin and i think i just wrote that was the prompt it was pretty simple and it came back with 10 pretty good social posts. I was like kind of in my voice, um, kind of in the topics I would generally write about. And it was amazing. It just kind of right there in front of you. So if you're someone who is a a social media manager, um, your job either has gotten a lot easier or maybe (laughs) now you're redundant. You have to figure out how to to add value to it. But yeah, the other thing I was playing around with the other days, if you have... um, if you have a, a presentation you're doing, or I'm sorry, if you wrote like an ebook or a white paper, you can use some of these tools to say convert this into a slide presentation, huh. and it'll then convert it into a slide presentation. I, I mean, really amazing stuff. On the design side, there's lots of design tools out there that you can use that'll really accelerate uh, the amount of design you could put out. You know, incorporate your brand, your look and feel. Um, yeah, it's really, really quite amazing. But there's a real there's some real risk to it as well. Right. I don't want to just like like what I've seen some people do is they're putting their company's data in. Say, hey, will you analyze the results of this campaign? 
um, but they're not protecting it because there's ways in ChatGPT you can basically uh, make stuff um, not public and then you can, but for the most part, the default is everything is out there. Yeah, yeah. And so if you're putting your data out there, uh, other people potentially can get access to it. So you have to be very careful. I, I highly recommend before people start to put any company information out there, uh, like to, to really learn more about it and, and have a, most companies are going to have to develop a policy around how to protect their company data. Because say you're going to have um, a big announcement as a company. And Ooh. someone's writing the press release and they're using chat GPT either to help them with editing or even to write it for them. Um, that press release is now out there. And if someone else is looking for information about their company, that press release might come up or content might come yeah. up <clears throat> and they'd get some inside information I, before I, it's I, out. I think that that's the biggest issue that's going to come up is how you protect your own intellectual property and your own content. I think that people are looking at the tool like this is chat GPT still needs inputs. Right. So when you have successful companies with successful brands with successful content, yeah, I can do all that stuff. You probably have robust content on LinkedIn already that can take and make that content. If you look at it from the inputs, right now people should be talking about the inputs. Is how, do they gather information? Do they have the things to put in place for ChatGPT to go out and do the outputs? So when you talk about intellectual property, when you talk about what they own, like I know the guy from Reddit is about to go and turn into a for-profit company because like, no, you can't just scour all this stuff for future else profit. We haven't made a dollar off this, and now you're gonna have all these bots that are gonna come in, scour all this Reddit history to go make all this money. It doesn't work that way. So yeah. I'm also a little concerned that people are gonna wall off everything, and we're gonna have a much more walled garden approach, which is the opposite of the open internet, which is what the trade desk and all these guys are going for, is this open internet. Those two things are gonna to come to a head because programmatic advertising, and chat and AI are the two biggest disruptors. I would say the the scope of programmatic advertising and what it's able to do with those machines and AI are going to bump into each other because one wants open internet and one wants to close it off so everyone just can't steal from each other. So I'm yeah. curious to see what's going to happen. I think we're ye months slash years, it depends on the pace, when who knows these days, away from that happening. But what I instruct our guys is, look, you're not there yet. We don't need to worry about outputs. Let's make sure we have strong inputs so when we do utilize this, it is organized and the outputs right. are the right way. No good. So we have a little under three minutes before the break. Uh, Joanne has always been a promoter and have a passion around swag and swag wars. So you each have 45 seconds. And I'm going to start with you, Joanne, since I know you're always out there talking about the Swag Wars. What, uh, how do you win at Swag Wars? I think you win by getting buzz, and you also win by getting Jeff to talk about it. So um, when I was at Honey Baked and Arby's, swag was a big part of the kind of viral uh, brand building. And what you want to do with swag is you want to have good quality swag. It can't be cheap swag that you want to throw away. So I think winning... Yeah, the hats that don't fit, the yeah. t-shirts that <laughs> are uh, always run a half size too small, right? So winning at swag also is having whoever you give the swag to keep it and it be something that's high quality and people talk about. Uh, but I know when we started Swag Wars, it's hashtag Swag Wars. And so if something cool is out there, we'll LinkedIn or buzz about it, and that's how I think you win at Swag Wars. Right. Jeff? All right, I'll, I'll do a little show and tell. Oh. Uh, hey. Greenlight Guru socks. socks All right. Socks are a, uh, definitely a great swag item, especially if you're at trade shows. We'll get people lined up because they want the socks because they're cool and they have the logo on them. So that's a great thing. The other thing, I like things that have some utility, so I brought this, this yeah. is from Park Mobile. Um, it's a dongle, right? But if you think about this, 
you know, we would give these out at trade shows and they were like hotcakes. Everyone wanted one. And then they have these with them all the time. And if they're on their computer, well, they need to plug in. They have our brand right there all the, the time. The thing I love on both of those is that you're talking about things that people find value. And it's not NASCAR. It's not the T-shirt that has huge logos and all that. Yeah. The visibility is great, but it's really more about the utilization. Right. 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 So, uh, Nick, what uh, your your view on Swag Wars? Look, we've been doing it. It's radio. We've been doing it for years, giving stuff away. What The biggest thing for us was we have the ability to partner with clients to do it. So New Balance is an advertiser. Okay, well, not why not make New Balance co-branded stuff? So for me, it's the ability to find partners that are going to invest in it with you so you can really bring top quality stuff. There's a difference between a $65 Nike pullover and a buy on Amazon for $15 pullover. I mean, they're just they look different. Yeah. They last differently. They don't pull. So I think high quality is the way to go, and I think it's utility. Yeah, so we'll. I think we maybe we'll lead off in segment three because uh, Joanne's got some examples as well. So uh, you've been listening to the Marketing Mad Men on Extra One Hundred Six Point Three. We'll be right back. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only ten dollars each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save, and save and win. When you buy a used car, don't be taken for a ride. Get Ford Blue Advantage certified at Wade Ford, Atlanta's headquarters for factory certified pre-owned vehicles. Go to wadeford.com. There you'll find a great selection of Ford Blue Advantage certified used cars, trucks, and SUVs with Blue certified. Nearly all makes and all models are in stock now. You'll find something perfect for just about any budget. Buy with confidence at the Wade Ford factory certified used car outlet at wadeford.com. Wade Ford. We are Atlanta's Ford dealer. Now back to the Marketing Mad Men on Extra 106.3 FM. Welcome back to the Marketing Mad Men on Extra 106.3. Uh, we're going to finish up our conversation on Swag Wars with this image. And, and I can't, you, we can't put the image yeah. over radio, but uh, Joanne's sitting here hanging with a big smile on her face with her Giving Kitchen hat on. So again, Good swag. What else is there? What do you got the jacket? Oh, I've got this awesome Honey Baked Tam jacket. And Love this it. is from a rebrand that we did. And I remember look, the rebrand, at, yes. Yeah, Love in, it. We're in the airport and Love people it. would comment. I don't care what anyone says to this day, still nothing cooler than the old denim jacket. Yeah. It doesn't it does it does not matter. It'll be it'll be timeless. Well, and a lot of it, and we're talking about quality, is understanding your audience. And there's swag for different levels. Okay. Sure. You got executives, you can't do the cheap thing, you right. You got the mass audience. Okay, maybe it's a little different. So I did a wow. podcast for somebody and he sent me a Love, love it. Wow. Love so, it. We're not, we're not quite there yet, yeah. Trip. We're, 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 we're working to that level. Hopefully this one will help us. And, and look, I think that's a good segue, especially with the Giving Kitchen hat. I think, um, you know, another thing that has changed a lot is uh, charitable giving, community marketing, and these things all flow into each other, right? So even our radiothons, we used to be guaranteed to do 100, 160 grand for Leukemia Lymphoma Society Camp Twin Lakes. COVID screwed a lot of that up, right? First responders came right into the prominence, yeah. how important they are. That's where a lot of the giving went. So I think the space has changed. The ability to not be in person has changed. Um, so let's talk. I think the last topic of the forum, we could talk a little bit about how to get back into community marketing, whether you're an organization or whether it's you leading the charitable giving, um, how do we get back into that conversation? Because there are plenty of institutions out there that still need a lot of help. And as we face economic turmoil and things get messy, 
they're not going to get as much money as they need. So, um, Joanne, let's start with you. And Giving Kitchen is a great example, but talk about how, as a marketer and as a company, you can use charitable giving and community giving to really benefit people. I think um, as marketers, we have a superpower, and it is community, and it's a way to give back to the community, but it also motivates your associates and uh, does great work for the community. So I've been everywhere I've worked, tried to integrate community and giving into the marketing role and whether that's Arby's and uh, No Kid Hungry and um, Honey Bake Feeding America or personally uh, working with companies like Covenant House or Giving Kitchen. It's a big part of who I am. And I'm going to kick it over to Jeff because Jeff and I have done a few ride and raises over Peloton and um, he's a big community advocate not only professionally but personally yeah i think i think brands today uh, the expectations are higher than they have been that you're not just a pure commerce company you're not just about making money but you're also uh, connecting in some way to the community that you serve and so at, at park mobile we would always try to fundraise for because uh, we were in cities that we worked with cities across the u.s we would fundraise for the local food kitchens like that was mm-hmm. a big deal. And so when you were using the Park Mobile app, you could donate to a food kitchen and then we would match a portion of the donations. And and listen, nobody loves paying for parking, but maybe you don't mind if you're actually helping a, a local charity in your community. Yep. And we just got great feedback on yeah. this kind of local, programs. Localize it and you had the logistics system built. That's yeah, one of the right. hardest things yeah. you had that you're already with yeah. that touch point, with that credit card out. It, right. you, it's easy, it's which easy. is the hardest part about charitable giving, I think sometimes. They make and it too complicated. Yeah. It, like I, oh, I'm for all sure. for it, but if I have to take out my credit card and mail it into a certain place and wait for a receipt and bounce back, like my day just doesn't allow that. It's unfortunate, but true. Yeah. 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 And I was, think being authentic, which is kind of where you're both going to, and it is there's a passion around where the organization is or maybe a leader mm-hmm. or, or or the team or something that really ties in well with maybe the offering. And I, I right. can actually see the food kitchens and parking and inner city and things like that. You know, we got involved in the Tunnel to Towers organization yeah. and, you know, building the homes. And so we did the patios. Yeah. And it was not just we provided the product we actually would provide the contractors and our teams would start going they actually our teams wanted to be there to help build these outdoor patios yeah and and you think about it from a a customer point of view or a consumer point of view and and the affinity you would get when you help but also think about it from your employee point of view yeah Uh, employees want to belong to something they want to feel that their company is doing some good in the world and that's a really important part of this to show that hey we're not just all about making money that's that's our primary driver. That's why we, we wouldn't sure. exist. But we're helping the communities we serve as well. And that help creates that halo for your brand. It, it creates more brand affinity for you. Yeah, I think I think the last local is going to be even more important. I think that COVID has forced us into these little pockets com- of community and people got closer with the people that are around. Everything's coming localized. National design is whatever you want to call it, but the, the communities are shrinking. And I think that's why that local is that important. When you said not overall to a food kitchen, to your local food kitchen. And I think yep. for yeah. us, that is our biggest thing is, is that there's a difference between working with uh, the American Cancer Society and dealing with a local Atlanta-based company. And people feel, for whatever reason, more connected to especially to see yeah. like Atlanta that's just booming in popularity um, I think you know and again not every situation presents it but if you have the ability to localize it I think that's where you get your With, most benefit in the last couple of minutes the advice to a company breadth versus depth on that regards 
uh, I've always been told for for us um, as a as a public facing media company, I tell people we get hit up about charity about all the time, and I say, look. Honestly, our resources are better put to three big ones than 55 small right. ones. Uh, just that's how it works. Just time, mm-hmm. execution, and they should understand that because ultimately we're all trying to do good. Most people do not because most people have their own agendas and their own intentions. But I think you're better off picking two or three overarching high-end things than just allocating funds to whatever comes along. I think you'd be more effective that way. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Uh, at Park Mobile, we went all in with the Atlanta Children's Shelter, um, and we actually – we opened it up to employees to nominate charities, and then we voted on the one that was most meaningful, and we did a big donation. And we also we sent people to the shelter to read to the kids. We, we really got into the charity. It was kind of we, – we felt like it was kind of part of the company in a way. And when you do that, it becomes just so much more meaningful for the people involved in the company. It becomes me- more meaningful for the charity and the Great. relationship between the company and the charity. And scalable. It's easier yeah. to duplicate that year after year as opposed to going to 50 people. Like, how do you pick the next year? I yeah. think th- it's hard for people to understand, but I agree. That's incredibly important. Yeah, agree. I agree with depth wow. and having it align with the company and what you do and having the employees engaged. I think the getting the employees to be engaged yeah. is critical. And and one of the things Jeff said that uh, I liked was, you know, you went to the employees. So maybe you, you had three. Maybe one was a passion from you or uh, some of the other leadership. But it sounds like you surveyed the group and where where did the the interest within the overall organization and maybe there was a, you know, a charity that you got involved with that wasn't at the top of your list, but your employees wanted to be there. That's exactly it. And because the employees wanted to be involved in it, the engagement in the overall program was just much higher as opposed to, well, Jeff likes this charity and this is Jeff's pet charity and, and everyone has to support it. No, we actually had the employees pick. And that's why you know we just had such a tight relationship with this charity, so much engagement. I mean, we would every week you'd have probably five to ten employees going over to read to kids. It's great uh, being part of other events that they had. That makes so. good social media and good content. Oh, also, yeah, the full absolutely. circle. Yeah. I, I think w- w- don't be afraid of fun. One of the things you know, we just finished a golf tournament where we made a, raised a lot of money. It was eighty three and sunny in June in Lake Lanier. That never happens, yes. and we we almost doubled our take off the mulligans and the because everybody just had such a good time. And in, I know you're, you're doing good, but that doesn't mean it can't be fun and beneficial and networking. So I think a lot of these things are going to start play together more and you're going to see blurring of the lines of what's community what's charity what's event what's networking and i think that's a good thing oh absolutely so and i think today was a good thing so our very first uh um marketing madman forum so thanks joanne harold of harold growth consulting we're looking forward to doing this hopefully on about a monthly basis and our first guest on the forum jeff perkins of Greenlight guru thanks so much uh, for sharing your uh, wisdom and uh, also you do have a book um, if, if people want to find out about how not to suck at marketing, where do they go? They can go to hownottosuckatmarketing.com and learn about the book or hit me up on LinkedIn. I'm very active there, so come uh, connect with me. Well, thanks for uh, sharing your wisdom. And uh, as always, Nick, uh, enjoyed it. And you've been listening to the Marketing Mad Men on Extra 106.3. We'll see you next week. Easy breezy. Right. Thanks, guys. Awesome. Thank you. Fast. That one went yeah. by fast. It did go by fast. That one went by fast. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's I I skipped the brand marketing because they were running out of time and that one we could do a oh. whole segment on. Oh, so in the chat, the, I know you, the swag wars are always fun too. They so, are. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's 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 so hard to balance between a radio show and a podcast because mm-hmm. there's such yeah. different beasts. Like, yeah, you have to like David has been listening. To- 
The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save and save and win. When you buy a used car, don't be taken for a ride. Get Ford Blue Advantage certified at Wade Ford, Atlanta's headquarters for factory certified pre-owned vehicles. Go to wadeford.com. There you'll find a great selection of Ford Blue Advantage certified used cars, trucks, and SUVs. With Blue certified, nearly all makes and all models are in stock now. You'll find something perfect for just about any budget. Buy with confidence at the Wade Ford factory certified used car outlet at wadeford.com. Wade Ford, we are Atlanta's Ford dealer. Camp Margaritaville RV Resort, where you can just breathe in and breathe out. (sighs) Or move. There's biking, boating, arcade games, hiking, nearby golfing. Or fly through the new Fins Up Water Park. Thrills, chills, twists, and turns. This could be you. Camp Margaritaville at Lanier Islands. An easy one-hour drive from Atlanta. Book your stay today at Camp Margaritaville Lanier Islands.com. 